Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. All right. So welcome to listeners. I'm sitting here with Chad Hughes, who is the owner of Impact Fitness and Wellness. And so the location is 28th and Thornapple area. And Chad, if I understand correctly, we have a host of people who are driving from like 30 minutes away, 45 minutes away to get till your 5, 5.50 a.m. classes. And so you must be doing something here that's really drawing people. And anecdotally, I'm going to say for myself as well, I had a friend invite me here back in December because there was a a gym I was at that closed down. You were supposed to be my stopover. It was going to be, you know, six weeks, quick and dirty. And then I was going to drop you guys and go to this new fangled, you know, trendy gym that was going to open. And here I am nine months later, just I can't leave. So what is it that you offer? You know, tell us how you got started. Tell us who you are. But what's in the secret sauce, man? First of all, I love that you uh, basically just call me your rebound for the gym world. That is factual, but I'm still committed. So I don't know what that means. Well, you know, the amazing thing about rebounds is all you need is a rebound to hit a slam dunk. Ooh, okay. And essentially what we got to do together back in December when you first came in is we had an opportunity to win you over, but also show you what we have to offer. And that was our slam dunk. I think at the end of the day, you had made a really cool point. And I take that with a lot of pride that people drive like pretty far to come hang out with us, especially in the morning. And I think it's kind of a testament to the diversity of demographic that we kind of serve, where we have people from all different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, interests, fitness levels, careers, where they literally live geographically. It's awesome. I, I, I love it. It's dynamite. So how did you get started in this particular area of passion? Oh, so the really fast version of that story, I think, is uh, I've, I've been in fitness my whole life. I absolutely love it. Like, hands down, it is what keeps me up late at night and wakes me up early in the morning. You know, that's the definition of passion. So knowing what I love and enjoy, at some point, I was like, you know, what? like, I want to figure out how to make this a job. And that actually happened for me when I was in high school, because uh, I used to teach fitness classes for kids. That's how I got started like 15 years ago. It just kind of stemmed from that because I always loved working with kids. I always loved the fitness part. Like I knew that very early on and I had no idea what the hell I wanted to do when I was in high school, like a lot of kids. And uh, the program I worked with basically was a mentorship program that went to local elementary schools and just overtook their gym class. And these kids just loved it. Because, you know, when you're in fourth or third grade, you see a high schooler walk in with a varsity jacket. You're like, that dude's cool. And then you have this really cool empowerment that happens as a high schooler where you're like, hey, I'm a person of influence now to this younger child. And we just happen to be using fitness as a way to mold them physically, mentally, and emotionally. Oh, I was hooked. I had a conversation with a personal trainer who helped us run this program when I was in high school, I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. And the woman had asked me, you know, Hey, this is really great. You love this. You're great at it. Like, what do you want to do after high school? I was like, I don't know. It'd be cool if I could do this my whole life and get paid for it. She's like, you know, that's literally what I do for work. You can get paid to do this. That sparked a pretty big fire. They all ultimately led me to eventually opening and owning a gym. And that was the four years ago, this January, we opened January of 2019. And uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done outside of making some kids and getting a wife. 
Speaking of, would you be willing to give us, it can be the brief or the longer version of your family. I know you love your family very loudly. Tell us more about your little community at home. Well, short version, my wife and I have two daughters. They're six and a half going on 16. They're very passionate twins. And it's really neat to be able to, you often hear that like your child is a reflection of you. And I like to think that they get the best of me and my wife, Courtney. And, uh, but there's also times like I look at them, I'm like, there's no way this is coming for me. It's way cooler or better than I could ever be or am, uh, or frankly speaking, even my wife, they're a dynamic duo. And it's neat to have them in the gym setting too. They've, they've grown up around fitness. They've grown up around the gym. They are, they're learning from a very early age that fitness is not punishment for what you ate over the weekend or tool to be skinny or 10 other things I could list off for you right now. They're learning that fitness is something that's a part of life. It's enjoyable. It's a lifestyle. It's a celebration of what the body can do. They're the kids at recess right now, like taking the other kids to like workouts and jumping jacks and like doing shuttle runs and stuff like that. And it's all done with a notation of celebration, right? There's, there's no punishment to it. My daughters are also competitive gymnasts. And if you know anything about the competitive gymnast world, like it is riddled with issues. And I'm excited for them to be able to combat those issues and to change how things are being done. So they're movers and shakers. My wife is the one fanning the fire. So she's the fan, literally fanning the fire. So thank you for asking about them. They're, they're great. Well, for sure. And speaking of kind of dynamic duo, I think of the duo of them having like rhythm and sass. I mean, those are two very cool features to bring into their everyday life. I think that's incredibly cool. It's contagious. So one of the barriers that a lot of people experience is even the thought of starting some sort of fitness journey. And one of the key pieces is kind of that gym intimidation, right? That walking in and being overwhelmed by all the things. How do you gently hold the hand of beginners or people who feel actual terror starting some sort of fitness journey? It's really hard. You know, there might be someone listening to this right now who is maybe on the fence of maybe starting their own fitness and health and wellness journey mentally, emotionally, physically. And it's hard, right? Because you're putting yourself in uncomfortable space, especially in a gym or gym intimidation, because there's this really unfortunate stigma that still exists where, you know, gyms are for fit people, beautiful people, those who have money or wealth or who know what they're doing. And it's, it should not be about that at all by any means, you know, a gym is and should be in my eyes, uh, a community outlet where people can come as you are and then take you to where you want to go. So when you have someone walking in for the first time who maybe has never exercised in their life, I think the biggest thing that we get to do to help quell that intimidation is just love them like freaking crazy. So there's something to be said about authenticity and being able to display your true genuine care to people when they walk into an intimidating environment. And people feel that, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure, Steph, like you don't remember your workouts. I mean, you might remember some of them that you do with it, but what you remember is the feeling, all right? You remember the emotions that it induced to you and you remember the feeling during and after, all right? You don't remember that you did 30 jumping jacks. You remember that you felt this in that moment. The point being is you set the stage from the very beginning of, you know, there's going to be some emotional moments that that person's going to experience and you get to be there with them because you authentically care and you show it and display it. And again, I can, if you're more interested, like, yes, there's X's and O's that you can implement, but they all root back to being authentically caring. Yeah. And I hope it's okay to just do a little bit of a self-indulgent piece right here. One of the reasons that, you know, as you're saying that I'm actually feeling a touch of sensitivity going on right now, you've helped me work through some very specific barriers 
in such a patient and compassionate way. And so I think, you know, the box jump is one that I'm very specifically speaking to, and I've shared about it on the blog and stuff where I could not do them. There was such a mental barrier. And we have this, you know, not a frenetic pace going on, but a very quick pace going on. And even in that you stop there in the moment and you say, Steph, let's quick learn how to do this. And so we do a three inch plate and a six inch plate and a nine inch plate up to the the 12 inch box jump. And you walk me through it step by step. And there wasn't an ounce of insistence that I do it, but there was such an encouragement of like, you've got this, let's, let's get this together. In spite of the fact that you've got 29 other people you could be tending to right there. I love that story. And this isn't to take anything away from what you got to experience, but I like to say that, you know, you're not the first person to have had that happen, nor will you be the last. Right. You're just one of many examples in a gym environment where we get to use fitness as the opportunity to build what you were just saying, what you're feeling emotionally and mentally. There's anxiety to it. Box jump, I'm going to jump. I might miss. I might fall. I might get hurt. What if someone's watching me? What if they see me like suck at it? Are they judging me? Are they not judging me? And your original question as to how do you diminish someone's intimidation by coming in is you meet that person where they're at. So I met you where you're at. Like, hey, this jump right now, like this is your obstacle. Let's work through it together in incremental steps. Because really all that was lacking is you're very physically capable of doing it. What was lacking was the confidence to be able to attack it head on in a way that you could be successful. And for a lot of people, their inability to accomplish goals often leads to some type of either structural progressionary uh, habit forming routine that's in place to be successful. So taking the small steps, building up like the box and or additionally, the other missing component is like the confidence to do it. One of my favorite definitions of confidence is the memory of success. So the definition of confidence is the memory of success. And what I knew you were lacking was the confidence to be able to complete the task, build up your wins, six inches, jump it, killed it, celebrate the win, nine inches, killed it, celebrate the win, 12 inches, the box was eventually 12 inches high and you nailed it. You built up your confidence, you built up your wins, your successions, your missing ingredient was to be able to accomplish and, and then you did. And I think that's applicable to such a wide variety of things in life. We just happen again to use fitness. Yeah. So something I experience, and it usually happens quite quickly when I bring in a new client for, you know, mental health, I have such, and, and I can't think of exceptions. I have such genuine love for the human sitting in front of me because I'm watching them be vulnerable because they're engaging bravery because they're learning to love themselves. But they see that through like, even my therapist is leaning in and, and loving me in this space. I have to assume fitness, if, if you're sitting there and loving people up close, that's part of the recipe that you bring. Is that what you experience? There, there's a principle I like to boil things down to when it comes to working with people. And I think just also the secret to life, it's to love, it's to care, and it's to serve. Mm -hmm. I love to care for people, therefore I serve for people. I love, care, and serve. And you, again, get to apply that within this fitness realm. But for you specifically, when it comes to the counseling world, world, working with people, their mental health, you love them, you care for them, therefore you serve them. And that is often one, unfortunately, one of the biggest missing components to so many people's lives. I mean, I, I describe it to our team like this, quite frankly, and unfortunately, a number of people that we work with, like they're unhappy, man. They, they are. They are in a world with work, family, and social media where they're often told like, you suck and you're not good enough, whether intentionally or unintentionally. They go to work. You're told you're not good enough. You don't get this promotion. You don't deserve a raise. You have this added stressors. They go home. Family dynamic isn't a healthy one or you know they're facing other issues 
issues. They go to their friends, their environments. They're not supportive or maybe they're negative and they're dumping the baggage onto the other person. Like we're surrounded by all this. So what I tell our coaches is, you know, our job again is fitness, but we get to go beyond that. We get to be the lighthouse, the beacon of light that brings people in that shows them that that doesn't have to be the norm. Like what gets to be the norm is what you decide is the norm. And to bring it full circle, like what you had said with what you get to do with your patients, that's just such a transcending example of what I believe could and should be for other professions, especially within health and wellness, being not just physical fitness, but also mental and emotional and quite speaking, literally physiological, mm-hmm. like even based when you look at how we, how we currently approach medicine as a whole. And you know, there's some people that are catching that vibe where we're realizing and growing within the field as general wellness collectively. Um, but we still have a long ways to go, but I would make the argument five years versus 10 years ago versus 15, 20 years ago, the growth has been exponential. I'm excited for what the next five, 10, 15, 20 years brings. I'm excited for my daughters are my age and they start having their family, you know, how we treat physical fitness, how we treat mental, emotional wellness is going to look completely different. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. One of my, it was several years ago when I read, it was just a little blurb that talked about, you know, so often we're yelling at people that they need self-care when the reality is they need community care. Tell me about the community component. So you're saying, you know, people come here and this is a bright spot in their day. I have to assume because it's community that in and of itself can be very life-giving. Absolutely. I mean, to, to say that we're the light in someone's day, I take a lot of pride in that. There's a lot of truth in that. Honestly, again, you know, about an hour of your day, like we're the best hour for some people's day. Like it's what they're looking forward to that gets them through the day because of all the things I described earlier on, you know, their work environment is negative or they're not happy there or their home life or whatever it might be. So we get to be this safeguard, you know, this, this, this haven, if you will, where it's like, no, like we work very hard in these four walls to create an environment where like you're safe and you get to grow and you get to thrive and you're cared for. Community is just one of many puzzle pieces to this whole picture. And the community aspect, as you've experienced, is more than just like, oh, hey, Steph, how's it going? Like it transcends that in the sense of there are people that you see every day that you get to form relationships with. And just by literally physically being around people, even if you don't talk to them, just by being around people, you know, we are going to experience some really positive mental and emotional growth from that. We as human beings, as you know, you know, we are are designed by nature to be very social animals. And unfortunately for some people, they are not necessarily getting as much socialization as they could or should to help optimize them from a mental and emotional standpoint. So the gym gets to become this hub, this haven where you see these people and eventually just the nuances of interactions grows throughout the day. There's yes, X's and O's that we intentionally do as a gym to structure community slash participant engagement. Like a very simple example, uh, we did a workout on Tuesday. a partner workout. So now you're doing a partner workout with another person, whether you know them or you don't. Now you're like exercising with another person. We're forcing interaction between members, not only just for like the actual, like, hey, this is a physical gain by doing it this way because you guys both work, work really hard. Like there's a bunch of cool stuff with that. But also to us, more importantly, it's like, no, like now you have the opportunity to form relationships and bond and like force interaction time. So going back to community question, like that's one way that as a gym, as a community, like it builds into that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so one of the, last things that I want to kind of invite you into explaining as you and I are just having chit chat, you know, maybe two months ago, and you're like, Oh, yeah, exercise is is micro dosing trauma. And my ears pricked up. And I was like, well, I want to know all the things. And here I am two months later, I don't know all the things. So I'm hoping you can give us kind of an abridged version of how micro dosing trauma and fitness can kind of apply to 
how we navigate trauma in general. Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really cool emerging field that's happening right now within psychotherapy and actual physical therapy slash fitness. When I was in grad school several years ago, I was on the kind of the cusp of really diving into that. So my original background is academia. I had a research background and I had a huge interest in how we can kind of use exercise as an augmentation, as a supplement to how we treat a number of mental disorders, specifically like things along the anxiety spectrum, whether it's anything from uh, major depressive disorder to seasonal depression disorder to uh, even PTSD, arguably in that sense. So like that was when I was like really getting grooving into what's so interesting with exercise is you have to think about it like this. And this is going to be a very general overlay because to go into actual X's and O's of this, it might be beyond the scope of this conversation, but just in a general overview, exercise is trauma. Think about that for a second. Exercise is physical trauma and arguably mental trauma too. Trauma can be viewed in my opinion experience and by some others as positive trauma or as potentially negative trauma. And what I mean by that is exercise in my lens, when used correctly, is positive trauma. We are inducing, for example, a bicep curl. When I do a bicep curl, I am working the muscle. I'm exposing it to stress. If I keep working my bicep and I do a really heavy weight and I go to fatigue and then I keep going, then I keep going, I'm actually inducing physical trauma now to my bicep. I'm damaging muscle tissue. That's trauma. And I'll use the phrase, it's positive trauma because now assuming the person has you know, a balanced diet, healthy lifestyle habits, adequate water intake, quality nutrition, all those other things, like then me breaking down my bicep, the trauma I just induced will repair the bicep and it'll grow back bigger, faster, stronger, right? That's just a very simple overview. But also it transcends just the physical changes because now you have to also investigate what happens to the body from an endocrinological standpoint during exercise. A really good example, and this is where things are getting really, I think, exploding up more and more, is think of the stress hormone cortisol. So you look at the individual throughout the exercise process. Cortisol will and does and should spike during exercise as a response to this physical trauma. And cortisol spikes during exercise are one of the important factors that also not only improves performance, but also improves recovery. Because when cortisol spikes, our body handles this increase in cortisol levels matters. And post-exercise, our body does a really good job of putting in different mechanisms slash adjusting and adapting to these cortisol spikes to then bring them down in a simple sense. So when we look at stress levels and using cortisol as one of the markers, what matters most is what's the average of the day. So like what's Steph's resting level versus exercise level. And what's interesting with exercise is we know that exercising regularly, and this doesn't have to be like high intensity stuff. We're talking like 20, 30 minutes walk a day of exercise creates this subtle spike, but then as a consequence to it, our bodies and its adaptations that's made takes that spike and it brings it right back down. So if you take someone who is in a stress state from maybe something that's going on at work or a life circumstance, so the resting cortisol levels are elevated using exercise in this example, as an augmentation to their treatment of self-care takes this resting high level and then can mellow it down a little bit more to make it more manageable. This example is applicable to a number of endocrinological reactions that happen to the body. So in this conversation, yeah, you and I had in passing, I said, exercise is micro trauma or it is trauma. So that's one physiological example that happens with exercise. But now taking that same example, you can apply it to the potential treatment plans for something like maybe PTSD. So take someone with post-traumatic stress uh, disorder. You can, and there are studies, and this is so interesting, where we look at things like exposure therapy. Say, for example, we have maybe someone who's overseas, a combat veteran, and they experience trauma. And one of their triggers from overseas is bright flashing lights, 
bright lights just sets them off. Their heart rate increases, just like exercise. Cortisol level spikes, just like exercise. Adrenaline spikes, just like exercise. So you can use something like exposure therapy in theory, in this example, with exercise to offset the sensitivity to that trigger. So for example, bright lights, we know it's a trigger. All right, we're gonna take a bright light. We're gonna strobe it. All right, we're gonna do a little bit of a, a trigger for you. But as you're experiencing this trigger, we're also gonna have you uh, jog on the treadmill. This is a very simple down example. So now that I'm jogging on the treadmill, this example, my cortisol is going up, adrenaline's going up, my heart rate's going up. I'm also feeling this flashing light. In theory, through some, this diminishes my sensitivity then to the trigger, not just through the exposure of the trigger itself, but now pairing it with something like exercise. That's just one of many potential examples I can go down the rabbit hole with that some researchers start to investigate even more. Yeah. Now, and sadly, uh, I, I do not want to cut that off, but it feels like such a big conversation. And maybe I gently invite you back for another episode for expanding that out in really cool ways. But we do have a time constraint here with our particular platform. And Chad, I specifically want to give you just a minute here to invite people to your gym. Tell them you know, how they can connect with you, tell them any sort of promos that show up. What does that look like? Absolutely. I, I love when people just drop by and experience what we have to offer. So honestly, the easiest way, if this is something that you guys, I think that you're vibing with, or you've been following Steph and you're like, all right, like I want to see what this place is about. Easiest way, the most direct would be to go to our website, impactfitnesswellness.com. And then there'll be tabs to prompt you to a free seven-day trial. And you just go ahead and register through that and you'll get a bunch of information as to how to use your trial. Or if you're kind of on the fence, you're not sure, reach out to us. You know, you can reach us through email and phone through that website, impactfitnesswellness.com. And we'll love to meet you guys where you're at and to take you to where you want to go. And I want to let listeners know, so I'm there 550 at least three days a week. And we often, as we get into winter here, we will have a wait list for the classes because they are so well loved. So if it is something you're considering, you know, get in sooner rather than later and come join a community of people that just, I don't know, we, we rise and shine together and it's very exciting. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on stuff. Yes. Thank you for being a part of this. And hopefully again, you might be invited to come back and um, talk with listeners again at some point. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.